Good Friday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is Real Talk with Keith Smith. It's great to be with you on a fantastic Friday morning in downtown Charlottesville, a little crisp in the air. College football with the University of Virginia starts tomorrow, and I'll tell you what, I am happy, happy, happy. All my favorite things this weekend, some pickleball, some squash, some college football, brunch, a cookout, some cold beverages, steaks on the grill, little shrimp on the bobby. Fantastic day to be alive here in Charlottesville in Almoral County in Keswick, Virginia. Judah Wickower is our STEAM director, a, a, a key component to the team. Judah Wickower, I can't wait for you um, to get on screen, but before we do that, the studio <laughs> camera, and then potentially a two-shot where we welcome in the distinguished gentleman, Keith. The strawberry, the strawberry, strawberry did not work. I was staring at it going, strawberry, strawberry, Smith, strawberry. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> How are you, Keith? I'm doing great. Um, a shout-out to another event that's happening this weekend. Okay. About 2,500 ladies are running the Women's Four Miler, which Mrs. Smith will be there. Nice. Running the Four Miler, and uh, I will be on the other side of the hill uh, doing a race to run uh, a bike ride to raise money for uh, wounded Wounded warriors in in uh, Waynesboro, actually. Fantastic. Do that. Fantastic. But, Jonas Smith running four miles. Johnny Ornales, que pasa, Chico? Que pasa. I'll give uh, some props to his restaurants, Guadalajara and El Mariachi. Johnny, you know we love you, and we, you know we love your brands. Um, Keith Smith, my friend. So you're going to be doing a bike a bike race this weekend? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Quentin Beckham and I are actually going to do it. We're going to go on the other side of the hill and, and do a little I'll do a little little bike riding over there. So I'm looking forward to it. The weather's going to be a bit chilly, but we'll see how that we see how that goes. Uh, we'll just do a little round about the city, so we'll stay away from the 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 traffic from from the game. But go who's go who's there? The the game is in Nashville. Look so at that. You huh? should be safe <laughs> with traffic there. Uh, they are 28 point underdogs. I probably should have known that before I opened up my mouth. They're 28 point underdogs. Last time I checked. As you can um, tell, I'm not a football. I don't. <laughs> Oops. It's the home team. It's the home team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually go. I'm more of a baseball, lacrosse, soccer guy than I usually don't go to the football games or the or the basketball games. But so, I, 309 Avon Street is listed. So this is a parcel. So the, just to put a, a picture to it for the folks that are not familiar with Charlottesville, this is uh, right on the Belmont side of the new bridge that they're building, the, the, the Belmont Bridge. Um, for those who have been around for a while, this is the old Spud Nuts uh, property. It's about an acre. Hold on a second here. It's I will, currently the, the pie chest. It's currently the pie chest, chest on that. So there's a couple of parcels. There's 309 Avon Street and 711 Levy Street. It's about an acre, acre and a quarter, somewhere <clears throat> around there. It is currently leased. But the reason I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about it, um, I actually had a client, uh, we're looking at it uh, for a potential purchase, um, and it looks like it's probably not going to happen. And I wanted to talk about why it's not going to happen, because even though some variation, in my opinion, of this uh, preliminary draft upzoning, zoning rewrite, I, I believe is going to get approved, and I believe it's going to happen by the end of this year on that end of it, um, the likelihood of that having some sort of quick uh, fix to either housing affordability or create a large um, influx 
of either people or more units is pretty minimal because even if you have the zoning ordinance that says, hey, look, you can do this, and I've talked about this many a times, there are so many other pieces of the puzzle that have to either line up before or, or after. In this case, it's before, right? So there's a little bit of a donut hole in this property, which is the old, uh, it's where the, um, uh, if you're familiar with that corner, there's a, um, a tailor or a seamstress. I, I can't remember which one it is on the corner. So you, you don't actually have the whole parcel, the whole corner corner there. But the, real, the reality of it is it's under a lease for five, excuse me, five more years. So either the lease has to be bought out, which is probably not going to happen, right? Or you're going to have, somebody's going to have to buy that or purchase it for a million something. He's talking the pie chest. He's and, talking and the surrounding property. Million seven one seven five is the list. Is the list, okay. which is actually not a bad price. If the tenant wasn't there for another yeah. five years, right? So the reality of it is, Tomas is a friend of the program. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's just the reality of it is. I'm just talking, you know, how this is going to impact housing. So the fact that it gets adopted, this is like a primo. It's called an entrance corridor property. You can go three stories on an unlimited density. You have some commercial on the bottom of it. If you throw in some housing affordability, you get some additional height and additional density. Excuse me, there is no unlimited, but you get additional bonuses in it. And there's, you know, you can read through the zoning ordinance to figure that all out. I kind of wanted to start off the show just to let everybody know once that gets adopted, that doesn't mean this building all of a sudden, this parcel is all of a sudden going to become three stories, you know, multiple units in it. It's either going to sit for a long time, right? Because if somebody buys it as a 1031 exchange, they're just going to buy it to sit on it because they need to park the cash somewhere, not pay taxes on it. Or if it's somebody who wants to actually develop it, they're going to have to buy it, wait the lease out. <laughs> Right? And oh, by the way, I looked at the lease the other day. I have to be careful. I signed a non-disclosure agreement, so I can't go into too much details. But the lease is not just the building. The lease is all the property. So you couldn't even leave the current tenant in there, build something adjacent to them, and develop some sort of plan around it until this lease is wrapped up. So I just kind of wanted to kick the show off with that a little bit, uh, you know, to kind of kind of say, look, you know, I think this is a good thing. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a pro, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of this zoning rewrite. I think it's a good tool to move forward. But, but those who are out there opposing it, saying that all this stuff is going to happen overnight, it's just, it's just not going to happen that way. I don't think they're saying this stuff is going to happen overnight. Oh, that's what I'm hearing. I mean, I... That's what I'm, 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 I got I'm, the neighborhood associations contacting me. Yeah, um, I, I, I think they're 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 concerned of the the potential of what could be. I don't think people realize. I don't think people are saying that upzoning is going to lead to density immediately. I think they're trepid about commercial coming to their neighborhood. I think they're trepid of what could happen to Airbnbs and homestays. I think well, that, that's on the table right that's, now. Well, what. I think there you, you can talk about the influence of the show. Three days ago on the I Love Seville show, I talked about um, homestays on how homestays, actually it was Tuesday, how homestays were going to be banned. 
and the draft zoning ordinance. Correct. And I literally did a thorough analysis of this. I saw counselors watching the program. And then Tuesday night at the Planning Commission, they said we need to pivot and do an about-face that homestays are essentially a way for some folks to pay their mortgage and maybe we should ban them altogether. And literally what we talked about on the show was covered at the Planning Commission because I watched it. Two of them used the exact phrasing and wording that I was using. And then now it's back on the table as a point of consideration, but with more regulations around them. Well, so there, there's a path forward to that, and it's not, it's not, in it, not in the current draft, at least that I've read, and maybe this, this conversation can help that a little bit. But one of the ways to help, if they really want to help, there's two sides to the short stays. And I've seen this out in Seattle and Portland. And let's face it, Charlottesville's getting expensive, Right. I mean, it's the reality. Of prices are going up. So what, one of the ways for the, for the, for the Airbnb or the short set is to help offset your mortgage payments so you can buy something a little bit more expensive. As far as housing affordability goes, the way they've done it in different jurisdictions that, that I've been part of this national cohort, particularly on, on auxiliary dwelling units, is offer some very robust tax incentives and connection fees and waiving, which the city can do, waiving all this the stuff so that they can, if you rent it to 60% AMI and below, you get all these particular benefits. There's another way that it's been working out in Seattle and Portland involving the land trusts on it, which is a real outside of the box. But of the 400 and some odd pages, I don't see anything buried in there that speaks speaks to that. So hopefully this may influence that conversation a little bit, but um, there are ways around that. There are ways to go ahead and keep the short stay in the Airbnb in and offer, if Jerry really wants to, to do this, then he has the tools available to do it if he really wishes to tackle housing affordability. All right. For the counselors and planning commissioners that watch the network, this is what all you need to do. You employ or you implement a software that studies and follows short homestays, and Airbnbs. I'll even let you know what the software you could utilize is called. Judah, it was Granakis, right? Remember the phrase that we talked about on Tuesday? Yeah. Granakis, right? Something like that. Granakis is a software program that you could literally utilize to police homestays and Airbnbs in the community. Currently, homestays and Airbnbs in the community are tied to the amount of days that you live at the property. You gotta live there 180 days to be able to use an ADU or a basement apartment or a granny flat as an Airbnb. The reality is Charlottesville City Hall is not tracking Airbnbs and homestays in any capacity. It has no software programs at all. It is solely relying on neighbors to potentially drop a dime or call City Hall about a homestay. They're so understaffed that even when the dime is dropped, they still don't do anything about it. Spend a little bit of money, integrate Granacus, G-R-A-N-I-C-U-S, into what you guys are doing, and that will help you literally police homestays. For example, one of the viewers that is an incredibly connected guy, Deep Throat, if you're watching right now, I'm giving you some props, lives in the Rugby Barracks Road neighborhood. He's got... A couple of houses on his street, and we're talking multi-million dollar properties. I enjoy seeing this guy frequently, having a cocktail. He has Diet Cokes. 
I have cocktails. Um, and he said, there's homes in our street, on our road, that are multi-million dollar properties that are owned by people that don't even live here. Mm-hmm. All they're doing is capitalizing on homestay potential and revenue associated with it. And then they have a place to stay when they come visit Charlottesville. They're UVA graduates that they can stay in for free. Use the software Granacus to watch and study what's happening. And then that'll give you data that you can track for your policing efforts. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll bring income is what it'll do. Because then these particular properties that you're discussing right now will all of a sudden now be taxed appropriately, will be billed appropriately. But no. To- that's not what would happen. These properties that I'm referencing would no longer be allowed to be homestays or Airbnbs because the people don't live there 180 uh, okay, days a year. These up. properties would come on the market as for sale inventory, helping the inventory shortage that we have. Well, These folks don't even live here. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you you. So the one of the things about the current Air, uh, Airbnb or the ADU requirements is you 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 basically have to be owner occupied. Neil Williamson says, Jerry. You're right. For what it's worth, Albemarle and other localities utilize Granacus for yeah. homestay enforcement. Yeah. Charlottesville City does not. Yeah. Does that make any sense to anyone that's watching and listening to this and show? I, and, and I'm pretty sure the cost on that is not astronomical. The cost will pay for itself yeah. many times over. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, so look, I, I wanted to kick off the show, see if we can get a couple of case studies to take a, take a look at it. You know, I'm... I'm I'm rather vested in, in ADUs around the country and, and locally. As, as you know, the city sent me out to Portland and then never bothered to ask for a report, by the way, back in. Literally sent me out there, sent a group of us out there and never, ever, ever asked for a report. Sounds like local government at its, and at its best. And I've multiple times have said, look, I'd love to go ahead and give a presentation. It just never, never happened. But one of the things that came out of it is the tie-in between the land trust and that. And it's a little complicated to explain on the on a talk show, but there are paths there. So you're talking post, right? I'm talking pre. There are paths there that, that can be written into the ordinances to help housing affordability, but you've got to incentivize it, right? And at the moment, I may be wrong. I, I've, I'm on my fourth uh, reread of it, and maybe Neil can jump in at it. Neil's I watching. Uh, I don't. STRs are not off the table, Neil. They are not off the table. I'm going to send you a link here with Michael Payne and the city councilors saying, look, we made a mistake. We got to backtrack. I'm going to tag you in the comment here where Michael Payne is literally saying that they are not off the table anymore. This is recent, recent news within the last 17 hours. We'll talk about it this afternoon at 1230 p.m. Um, tagging you here and sharing the link. Yeah, so... so the- there are all these little things that have yet to be done. So, I, you know, look, I, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see how this goes in the next 30 to 60 days. I think this is going to start being tweaked a little bit more. Hopefully, you know, uh, short, short stays will, um, will, will kind of get back on the table. But they also probably need to figure out a way to incentivize folks. And, and maybe they can reach out to us and we can help guide them a little bit on it. Because it, it is working out in the western states that that I was part of. Someone who, is, who owns a house in, the, in Charlottesville, for example, let's just say a homeowner in the city of Charlottesville, this homeowner who is literally living in this house 365 days a year should 100% be able to rent a granny flat, a cottage in the backyard, a basement apartment, 
to help cover their mortgage. So one, one of the things that made a difference in these other locations, they actually removed a home ownership requirement in it, but they added these incentives on it because part of the problem was is the land trust couldn't do that because we weren't the homeowner. We weren't living there. The land trust wasn't living there. So the land trust couldn't go in and acquire properties and then turn them into, you know, Airbnb, excuse me, turn them into auxiliary dwelling units on it because they didn't have the ownership thing. So they actually changed that out west and it upticked it, but it was hung, it was it was the bait was the tax incentives for folks to go ahead and do it. And it helped on the gentrification, by the way. I, if, if they want to prevent gentrification from happening, which is a huge piece of the draft zoning ordinance and upzoning, they need to allow exactly homeowners right. to rent a portion of their house in an Airbnb or short-term rental fashion. If they ban short-term rentals altogether, I'm talking local government, that will amplify gentrification because those on the financial margin will not be able to maintain their homes. You know who does not use Airbnbs for their houses? Go ahead. Rich people. Rich people don't take their personal residences and invite strangers in for pocket change. Because they don't have to. Obviously. You know who utilizes short-term rentals? People that have to. Folks that have to to pay their mortgage. So one of the things that was also found out uh, out west uh, and and in Minnesota and stuff like that, there has to also be the support of helping folks that don't do this for a living, don't rent for a living, because what was happening, there was foreclosures happening because people would invest, as we talked about, if you were to build... Uh, uh, an ADU in your backyard, it's 150 to 200 grand. It is not cheap to go. They were borrowing money against the house that was paid off on it. Then they were renting it to people because they've never, they didn't hire, hire uh, Suzanne Real from Ally Property Management. They managed it themselves and the people weren't paying them. Then all of a sudden now they, they're caught in the landlord uh, tenant laws and they couldn't evict them out. And the bank wanted their money, and they couldn't pay it. And there was actually foreclosures happening. It wasn't a lot, but there was just enough for it to um, to cause some concerns. Henceforth, why the removal of the owner-occupied happened, so some of these nonprofits can come in and actually do it. Uh, but that that was a thing that happened for a, a period of time before um, before it got. Rework, for lack of a better term. Viewers and listeners, thoughts on the feed. Vanessa Parkhill, Jamie Turner, Bill McChesney, the realtors watching this program. Your thoughts on this topic, ladies and gentlemen. We will relay it live on air. Judah, on Tuesday, Tuesday show, we literally said banning homestays and short-term rentals would have a catastrophic effect to those on the financial margin. Do you remember that? Yeah. Tuesday night and at I'm the planning you, commission. I'm telling you, it actually happened. Tuesday night on the planning commission, they changed their minds. Hmm. We did a show on Tuesday, and Tuesday night, they changed their minds. Now homestays are literally back on the table. They're just going to police them a little more stringently, which they should have been doing all along. For so long in the city of Charlottesville, homestays and Airbnbs were the Wild West. They literally did not police 
who was having Airbnbs or short-term rentals. Well, that's no different than around the university, right? In the city of Charlottesville right now, you're not supposed to have any more than five unrelated people. Sarah Hill Buchensky, 100%, exactly what we're saying. Remove the, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree with your comment about remove the owner occupancy rule. I do agree with your comment about get the software tracking program. I think homestay should be tied. I do not think I don't agree with that. And why is that? If why would you remove the owner occupied for short term rentals and Airbnbs? Because it. So let's say you're not you're a developer, for profit developer, right? And you want to, and and this all gets adopted, right? And you want to go ahead and do. to do housing affordability. Let's assume that's what you want to do, right? Well, unless you own it, you're not, and you buy one unit in Belmont or something, and you want to do something in the back, and you have to own, you have to physically occupy it to go ahead and do this. It really, it really, it really holds back the ability for housing affordability. You know, it's, it's, but it has to have some teeth to if it. If you're a developer and you're building housing, build housing for rent that's on a one-year lease. Yeah, well... If you build house, if you're a developer and you're trying to create housing affordability and you're building housing that's tied to short-term rentals and homestays, that's not going to create housing affordability. So what had happened, it wasn't rampant, but it happened enough that it had to take a look at it, that if the individual wasn't sophisticated enough to know how to build a unit, know how to rent it out. Then you shouldn't be developing property. They got themselves into trouble. Right. So what I work around on that was for the land trust, the land, the land trust just leased the land underneath the, the ADU and went ahead and, and, and rented it out for uh, housing affordability. But without that owner occupied being removed, that wasn't allowed. How, how please explain to me, I sincerely mean this, please someone explain to me how an Airbnb or a short-term rental, so, yeah. as defined by 30 days or less, is yeah. going to create housing affordability. No, 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 we're, we're not. We're not saying the same thing, so I'm not, I, I'm not doing a good job. Yeah. Here. So I'm talking about ADUs, auxiliary dwelling units, right? Okay. That that's it. So in order for an auxiliary dwelling unit to be built right now, on it now, this may all change. Well, change all of that. I'm talking about not doing Airbnb. I'm talking about physically building the structure under the issue right under the current ordinance right now. It has to be owner occupied. It has to be owner occupied to do an ADU. They actually have an ADU ordinance on the books. It says you have to do that. Now, if this gets adopted in your RA, you could do three residential units and you're done. It's done. It's finished. Now, what they're doing is they're layering in there and saying, okay, you're going to build, I'm going to get a two-story home in Belmont. Uh, my brother-in-law's house, James, was on the corner of uh, and my daughter, uh, my sister's house. It was a classic four over four, right? Now, the first story, second story, you could put apartment downstairs, apartment upstairs, and an ADU, an auxiliary dwelling unit in the back. That meets your three. Thank you very much. You're done. You don't exceed the height limitations, right? But if you layer in that if you go ahead and allow that ADU to be built, housing affordability at a tax credit, then that, then people might end up doing a little bit more. I, I think under the current – I think we're mixing things up a little bit. The current – Ordinance for ADU says it must be owner-occupied. I think once this is adopted, and Neil tell me otherwise, that goes out the window. Neil Williamson says this. 
If the Planning Commission or City Council makes significant changes to the zoning ordinance that is advertised, it may require an additional public hearing, oh, he's right. further delaying the process. He's right. The City Attorney said you can't advertise a horse and approve a camel. Yeah, he's the right. PC and City Council will get a legal opinion on September 12th in a closed session prior to the September 14th public hearing. So glad I don't have a bet on this. Dude, I'm tough. They literally have changed the yeah. rules. On Tuesday, they went with the draft zoning ordinance. So let's pick, let's pick what Neil said apart, but you finish first. And Tuesday, with the draft zoning ordinance, prior to Tuesday, they were completely going to ban homestays and short-term rentals. Yeah. On Tuesday's show, we spent the entire show talking about the collateral damage of banning short-term rentals and homestays. So we had planning commissioners and counselors watching us on Tuesday. And then in the Planning Commission meeting on Tuesday night, they said, if we do this, this is going to hurt people on the financial margin. We have to figure out a way to put homestays back in the mix in short-term rentals and Airbnbs. Neil, if they go from having no Airbnbs on Monday and no short-term rentals on Monday, and then on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, they allow short-term rentals and Airbnbs, I would think that is changing the rules, which will further delay this process. The interesting thing about further delaying this process is Leah Perrier is going to come off council on December 31st, and Natalie Ostrin is going to come on council January 1. If this vote, if this entire thing is delayed until next year, then you have Leah Perrier, who's not really in favor of this, being replaced by Natalie Ostrin, who is really in favor of this. Yeah. And that changes the dynamic of the vote. So let's pick that apart a little bit. So, <clears throat> Neil, um, I do not, I don't have it in front of me. I do not recall the specific Airbnb, for lack of a better term, language in the current zoning rewrite. So the question that I would ask Neil is, it, does the current draft that's out to public that is going to be available for the public hearing, if it speaks to in that document that, that there will not be allowed any Airbnbs, Neil, is, I believe, is right, because that is a substantial change. That means it's going to have to be re-advertised, a new date set, and it will, to your point, push that further back. But if it's not in that document, if it's silent about it, it doesn't speak about Airbnbs and banning. It definitely spoke about it. So there is, I don't remember seeing that, in a, in a, and I'll have to dig, go through the 400 pages and find out in that, in that document where it specifically says you are not allowed to have any Airbnb. So if it's in there, then... On Monday, it, that was in the document. Okay. Well, I, I, don't, I can't recite page and chapter and book because I was looking more at different parts of it than that part of it at the moment. So if there's language in there that says you are not allowed to do Airbnb, period... In that document, in that 450 pages or 25 pages document, and now they want to put it back. This literally was published. This was published yesterday at 4:32 p.m. by NBC 29. Okay, who watches the show? Homestay provision. I'm going to read verbatim. Homestay provisions will no longer be eliminated as part of Charlottesville zoning code update. In the city's consolidated draft released earlier this month. There was a blanket ban on short-term rentals. Okay. Now it is back in the new code, but maybe not for long. 
Homestead regulations refer to whether people can rent out a portion of their home for someone else to stay in, such as Airbnbs. So I wish... Even though the new code will not have a ban on homestays, property renters should expect new regulations coming soon. Here's what Michael Payne said. Quote, he said this Thursday, he said this yesterday. About 30% of accelerated dwelling units right now are already Airbnbs, and the concern was that trend would accelerate, and you wouldn't even see housing open for residents. It would just become Airbnbs. However, if you just had a blanket ban, then you would be stopping the people who are living in their home and renting out a unit and being able to help afford their mortgage or property taxes or other expenses. That's literally almost verbatim what I said on Tuesday, and he watches the show. He also says, if you could really target it so people who are living in their home are still able to rent out a portion of their house, but you're able to avoid the dynamic of larger company or investors buying up a ton of properties, then that's a good thing. Also what I said on Tuesday. So they're changing the rules. Yeah. So I, I made this comment, I believe it was in a group text that you, were, you and I were part of. Um, so the great thing about the FLUM, the map is, the way they got that set up, you can actually type in an address and it pulls up the information. I really wish that they would have had this ordinance set up more like the Muni code that they have, where you would type in, you know, sh- Airbnbs or short-term stays, and it would take you literally to the section within the document, because now what you need to do is peruse 400 pages and find this this language, so I don't know. Neil where Williamson it. confirms what I just said. Okay, so and what it's I said bar- on it's buried, Tuesday. It's buried he says in there. the current. No, it's on pages three through eight. Got it. There you go. That's what I, I'm looking for. I, I have a. I'm not going to call it photographic memory, but it's right there. Yeah, I believe it. He says the current draft, which will not be updated prior to the public hearing, does state that short-term rentals are prohibited. Yeah. Pages three through eight on the use chart. He then says, is this a significant change in terms of the size of the zoning ordinance? Page three through eight. He says, Keith, look look it up. I'm looking at it right now. So do you see what they are doing? Well, (laughs) They're changing the rules. They need to re-advertise this. Everything should be delayed. So that's a... So I'm I'm reading it right now. So thank you, guys. I I was focusing on C3s and different stuff, so I didn't get, get into that so much. Uh, that's the problem with 400 pages. You've got to pick it all apart. And I do not have a photographic memory. But I'll tell you one thing. If they ever want to get sued, well, amend this. I can tell you what's happening there yeah. if you want to know. No, I'm just telling you. That the it, neighborhood associations are going to do that. Yeah, they need, they need to either re, hit the reboot button. Michael Payne, city councilors and planning commissioners. The associations are pulling their resources and are going to sue you guys. I know for a fact. Well, so if they do, I know this much. If, they, if I, I've been through enough public hearings in my life to understand how this works. So if they're, if they're going to make a substantial change to the draft copy out there, then they need to amend that draft copy, republish it, right? Reset the public hearing, or they can hold a public, they can hold a public hearing on the, exi- on the date, and then they can defer it. You know, there's, there's a couple of tricks to the trade that they can go ahead and do. But to be fair and transparent, if it's going back in, then it needs to be put back into the document so NBC 29 can review it, Neil can review it, you can review it, I can review it, the public can review it, and be prepared to comment on it at the public hearing. That's the whole purpose 
of a public hearing. That's called local government. That's how it's supposed to work. That's how it's supposed to work. So I would think they're either going to move forward as it is and then let the public hearing happen and see how that goes, or they're going to hit the pause button. I don't know because of not talking to them one-on-one on this, but there is two paths there. The path is to just do it. You know, you, it's advertised. It's out there. Have your public hearing. And there's a tactic there that you can let the public hearing happen and then make some amendments. But the fact that this is hotly contested and the fact that people are out there probably pulling capital together to go ahead. I'm in the I, meetings. I, I, I know that. Pulling capital together. Uh, I'm taking it from a different level, a little, a little higher level. Pulling capital together to go ahead and do it. You better damn well make sure that this is right before you start moving forward because well the reason I'm in the meetings is because they know I'm opposed to upzoning and they know that I have this reach. Yeah. So they're like, here's what we're doing. Talk about it. Well what makes this so well is I'm not opposed of it. Opposed I don't oppose it. I I'm do, opposed to upzoning. I know you are. Straight up. Yeah. So and that's good. That that makes it back and forth interesting. Uh, but at the end of the day, <clears throat> um, you know, it's a great tool. Uh, it needs a little bit more tweaking. But if, if they got this far into this, they got this far into this. Um, that's, my, that's our project. Go if ahead. If they got this, my new hearing aids are picking that up. Nice. If uh, we got this far into it, right, of how, how long has this been taken? Years. And how much has it cost? A ton of money? Yeah. And now we're down to, oops. We probably shouldn't have taken it out. Now we've got to put it back in, and if that's what I'm hearing. They literally, literally are changing the rules in the bottom of the ninth inning. Yeah. This is like two baseball teams playing yeah. in the World Series in Game 7. The score is tied 4 The score is 4-4. Four, four. A guy comes up to bat with two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning. He hits a home run, and they say the home run doesn't count as a run. So, high level, I'm a proponent of rewriting the zoning ordinance what i'm opposing to what i'm what i'm in opposition of is exactly what you just said changing um the rules at the last minute that is not right regardless if you're in favor or not it shouldn't be done so they either need to stand on the draft that they have before them and go through the planning go through the the public hearing so people can actually offer comments then, then they can move forward. We the have process. the. But if they're going to change it, if they're going to change it before that meeting, I think they're crossing a line. The local newspaper is watching the program here. Neil calls it institutional inertia. Yeah. He also says the public hearing will happen and lawsuits also will happen regardless yeah. of how they approve it. I I know the lawsuits yeah, are yeah, going to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's standard operational procedure. It ha- it happened in Arlington, right? They adopted the, they called it a missing middle. Instead of rezoning or uh, zoning rewrite, but they adopted it and immediately went into into uh, lawsuits. So again, if there are folks out there, because I'm in different circles apparently, that think that this is going to happen rapidly, and is not going to happen rapidly, it's going to require very specific properties that'll happen. There's one that I sent you earlier that the land trust is looking at, that is an RA property that that. We're going to do it for affordable, which will then allow us a, bu- a bonus density above three. How, how does? How, why would anyone think that more density would happen immediately when the density hasn't even been built? When the density hasn't been permitted? 
when the tap is the tap connections are not there. It takes how long does it take to build an apartment complex? Oh, that's the easy part. The approval part of it. That's the, 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 exactly right. Who exactly. would think this would happen immediately? Look, I still. We're on our fourth year, excuse me, our third year on Nassau Street for the land trust with people in it, and I still can't get the bond money back yet for the utility connection. Do you want to talk about that with I your dad as the investor with the bond money? How long Can we go to a three-shot? Yeah. How, how long did it take? Has your dad gotten the, the bond money yet? Uh, you'd have to ask him. I don't know, the, I don't know all the details. Well, it's I, been a I, while was it years? I talked to him about it. Was it years? So the it was. I mean, they they went out of business. Yeah, he was waiting on. His dad was an investor yeah. in a development company. Yeah, they were waiting on bond money. Yeah. they never got it back from the city, yep. and they went out of business. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 um, so uh, actually, somebody who knows a little bit about this did a really smart thing with this particular thing and negotiated something that we actually did it with an insurance bond instead of an actual cash bond. So actually we stopped paying our insurance, so that's kind of a weird thing. But anyway, you're 100% right. And I guess that's the point I was trying to make with the case study in the beginning of it, that the, the, the runway for this is not year, not even two years. These are years. There'll be some small, it, assuming it gets adopted in some variation of this, um, there will be some small onesies and twosies done on it, but you're not going to be seeing these huge uh, multifamily units getting built in a rapid pace just because the back end of it, after you say, okay, I meet all the zoning ordinances, then you have all the site plan, to your point, utilities, right? I I know this much because I was was focusing on utilities. If you do an an ADU, it has to have a separate utility connection. Right. Do you know how freaking hard that is to do? I, we, we should just ask, we should we should ask. That's just that portion alone. We should ask friend of the program Wilson Ritchie, who today is the grand opening of Hogwaller Brewing yeah. Company. Bravo. Okay, the difficulty he had with underground plumbing sure. at Hogwaller Brewing Company for his draft beer lines sure. and everything else. He literally waited months. Yep. Well, that's actually good. He was easy. I mean, that's actually good. It took it took us a year and a half to get the permits for Nassau Street to build affordable housing that the city gave us the money to, by the way, to go ahead and do. But TV just, station down the street watching the program. Yeah, so just talk about just talk about the utility connection alone. A home, the same. Let's talk about the house that we talked about on Monday, right? on Monday's on property on Elliott Avenue, just recently sold, has a little, it's, on the, it's impending, has a little, tiny little something in the backyard. It has a, it has a um, alleyway, so it's accessed. So that could, that could be grown into some sort of ADU, auxiliary dwelling unit, regardless if it's for long-term rental or Airbnb. It doesn't really matter at this point that the process is the same. To connect that into water and sewer is extremely expensive. Because I actually walked the property again since Monday, right? The sewer main is across the street. The water main is across the street. So you've got to run a, a water line and a sewer line from that building all the way along the side of an existing building, open up a street, make a tap. And oh, by the way, some of these lines are like clay water lines or, or sewer lines, excuse me, that fracture 
on you. So you've got to make all those connections, pay the connection fees, bring all the way back, which is tens of thousands of dollars for a little 400 square foot something. And this is why I've said oh, by all the way, along. It also needs to have its own electric meter. So you've got to have your own water meter, your own electric meter. It has to have its own address. And what, all that process, what does it take for all that process to happen? It just costs a gazillion. It's, it's forever. And this you, is why I've said all along yeah. that upzoning will create no affordability. Instead, it will backfire I, I, I don't, and it will create expensiveness. I, 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 the only way upzoning will create housing affordability is it has to be incentivized. That's the only way it's, it's going to happen because it's just not going to happen any, 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 any other way. We have... Elected officials literally watching our show right now. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm a fan of it. Literally I, I, watching I, the I, show. I, I, it's, it's no different than the conversation you and I had about Fulvana County trying to up its density on R4. I'm pro-housing. Always have been pro-housing. I am unabashedly pro-housing. Um, I haven't figured out a way to check this stat yet, but... I believe we're in such a housing crisis we haven't seen since the end of World War II as far as product, as far as um, number of homes that are available to, to buy. I can't prove that. It's just I'm researching it. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to do that. I've got when I'm next week in, in D.C., I'm actually sitting next to a couple of the National uh, um, Associate, Association of Realtors folks that are statisticians. I'm going to be asking that question of them if they can help me out on it. But... Up zoning density for for an R4 in Fulvana County that only affected one piece of property was a waste of everybody's time and money. Total waste of everybody's time and money. This this whole this whole process. You know what you know what up zoning rezoning and the draft zoning ordinance are going to yield. They're going to yield massive lawsuits from wealthy homeowners and home and, and neighborhood associations that are going to tie up Charlottesville's resources. That are going to cost well, Charlottesville City lawyer. Hall so much money yeah. to litigate and manage in court. They're going to tie up developers. For well, the developers are just not going to do anything. Developers are going to buy up stuff and just hold it. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so taking so, property and, and land off the market. Yeah. So this we're, is going to backfire. Backfire is a big word. Um, uh, we're saying the same thing. That's what I wanted to start to show off and use this as an example that this is a prime piece of property that fits all the boxes, all the, all the zoning boxes, right? Except it's got a lease on it that isn't going anywhere for any time soon. Yep. Except it's, it's got a donut hole in it that's going to have to be acquired. Except it's going to take forever to do to to get through the. So before the, the developer before the developer can do anything, how long is he going to have to hold the land for? Well, I don't know if the developer is going to do anything at all because if you can't fix those two problems, if a developer were to buy that property, can you put it on on air? If a developer were to buy that property, how long before they could even crack ground? At first of all, you got to wait for the lease to expire, so that's four years. Okay. Or five years, I think, whatever. I can't remember. So exactly. five years? Four or five years. Then you got to go through the approval process. How long does that take? Oh, it'll be a couple of years. For so sure. you're saying that property, which Judah's putting four on screen. Four to six years. Six years. Four to six years. If you're a businessman and you have to have the carrying costs of six years yeah, before yeah, you the crack only, the ground, the, right now, what are you going to do with the property where you crack yeah, the ground? Only, the, only, the only play for this, if you want to acquire it and... 
the conversation you and I are having live is exactly the conversation I was having with my client, right? So if you've got a 1031 exchange, right, you've got $1.175 million that you've got to do something not with. Not a ton of money when it comes to one, a 1031. It is not a lot not of money. Not a lot of money. It's actually very low, low. Very low. Extremely low. Very low. I can 1031 this building four times and buy four of those. Yeah. So the play would be, which is not helping the development of it. So I got... $1.75 million, whatever the number is, that I want to do something with, 1031 exchange. Hey, guys, I'll pay that in cash. I'll call in two weeks. You leave the tenant in there. And then you have to do nothing with it for six years. Oh, it just sits forever. That's what I'm saying. It just sits forever. And then what happens when, in six years, when you do decide to crack around and build something? Oh, then you turn around and you sell it for a bunch of money. Does anyone think that they're going to create affordability when they go and crack around? Yeah, so, you know, I'm... I'm I don't want to be Pollyannic about it, but I put a lot of time and energy in it. I will continue to put a lot of time and energy in it because I believe it's the right thing to do, to go ahead and help housing affordability. But to be practical about it, and that's what I wanted to kick the show off a little bit, to be practical about it, this is the prime piece of property to do what they, they say, whoever they is, that the zoning rewind, and it's not going it, to happen here unless somebody walks in and offers... You buy it for, and the math will never work. You buy it for 1.175, you go to the, the gentleman that's leasing it, pay two or three times the value of the lease to buy them out. Now you're, now you're multi-millions of dollars into it, and it's just the math won't work. So Neil once said, this is going to go by property by property by property, and that's the point I'm trying to make. Right? We talked about on Monday a property that's off the table already. This is, this is what's that? Elliott Avenue? Elliott Avenue is off the table. That, that $600 and something thousand dollar house, which, by the way, I owe you a bottle of bourbon because you were right. Um, the, uh, what are the age of the people? I, I, I promised I wouldn't talk about it. I just owe you a bottle of, a bottle of bourbon, and we'll leave it at that. Um, so the reality of it is, and maybe I'm couching the terminology in the wrong way. He's talking about Seth Batten's listing, um, the remodel he did. Uh, um, I'm couching it the wrong, I'm using the wrong language, but your language is, is probably better. If it gets adopted as it is right now, regardless of the Airbnb debacle, it's, it's minimum five to ten years before you start seeing some, some sort of... Do you know what City of Charlottesville did with this draft zoning ordinance and upzoning? Well, I'm not... I'm not a, I have to tell you, uh, you know, I have a very close working relationship with all the elected officials. I see I, Lloyd every day. And I... And, Talk to him every other day. And I, my, I respect what they do because what they do is very difficult, right? I know that firsthand. That being said... I don't even think we put this on city council. We put this on the folks that push draft zoning ordinance through. We put, the, we put this on the shoulders of livable Charlottesville. So that being said... From a practical perspective, they can't change this. They're going to have to go through the public hearing process and then see how the process goes after that. But, you know... This if, is what City of Charlottesville they're trying to add, If they're trying to change something in the ninth inning, that's not good. This, that's what they're doing? Yeah, that's not good. This is what the draft zoning ordinance created. This is what upzoning created. Want know what it created? It created fear... It created a frenzy. It created unknown and uncertainty. And that fear, frenzy, unknown, and uncertainty drove up real estate prices in the city of Charlottesville, 
and in HOA neighborhoods in the urban ring and now Mulcahy. Yeah, well, well, time out. I, I proved to you that HOAs are always higher and they will continue to go higher. They're they, going that, higher of, yeah, of late. Course, of, of course they will. Yeah, yeah and it's because will. of this. Uh, well, it's also because there's nothing to buy. So, so Why is so, there nothing to buy? But, well, it's nothing, there's nothing to buy because we never approved enough projects, enough homes to be built, and we've got about six to eight, excuse me, five to six million nationwide units that we have to come over. And that's my point of why I think we are, are at a point where just after World War II, as far as units to be bought. The difference is, All after the, World War II, after World War II, there was no zoning ordinance. All the DZO created was a brand and but, perception well, you're a brand and perception problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that brand and perception problem created fear, frenzy, and uncertainty. And that fear, frenzy, and uncertainty impacted dynamics of the housing ecosystem. Got it. So how, Jerry, are we, or maybe we don't, what is your solution to the fact of no inventory? If this isn't it, if this isn't it, so we're not going to, we're, we're saying... For the sake of a conversation, for the sake of a talk show. Um, I don't think the th- citizens of Almaro and Charlottesville want more inventory. Oh, but, but Jerry... Th- they don't want it. Jerry, that's, that's like a duh. Charlottesville and Almaro County. All you got to go to is attend a single meeting and you know that. Charlottesville and Almaro County's large majority Gene, of their taxpayers. Green, Green County, right? I'm going to let a cat out of the bag here. Green County, right? We talked about the terraces yesterday. It's not the terraces. The new project. It's not called the terraces, okay. but that's okay. I call it up. Go ahead. It's in Green. It's in Green County. It's, it's called Blue Ridge Meadows. Okay, we didn't talk about that. It's Blue Ridge Meadows. It's 500 units in Stanton, in Stanton, in Standardsville, right? By right, by right, you can build 500 units in okay. there. Um, the developer, the applicant's trying to do a PUD, build the same amount of units, but put a diversity of product in there, right? Townhomes, that kind of thing. And it's, I would put it at a 60-40 chance of failing, right? And so what's going to happen, because there's a very vocal, small number of people that are saying, well, if you shoot down the, the rezoning, the developer is actually trying to do the right thing, which, which is mind-blowing, you know, it's just mind-blowing that, that I think it's going to get shot down, Right? The city's, the town's got to connect, the county's got to connect water and sewer to it. They've got to allow it to get built. It's by right. It's going to be f- roughly 500, uh, very close to 500 single-family detached homes. No open space, no amenities, no nothing. And you're, you know, it's going to get built because guess what there isn't around. F- Green County's north of $400,000 right now in the median sales price. I, if I can put 500 lots, single-family detached lots, somewhere in Greene County, close to Sanders, close to They would to sell work, all day and twice was, on Sunday. Uh, twice on Sunday. And the people that are opposing it actually think that's not going to happen. And if you've got a housing shortage, in my opinion, that we haven't seen since the end of World War II, what, what world do you live in to think that somebody isn't going to go ahead and do it by right? It's just crazy. that They, they are... They are the oppo- people that are opposing this will probably win because it's a political football. Nobody wants to touch it. They are not going to get a park. <laughs> they're not going to get a water line extension. That no, they're, they're all these things that, that would have happened under a, a rezoning. They're not going to get, but they'll get 500 houses in the middle of their town, if, for sure. If 
taxpayers and residents don't want more housing. Then they just have to pay for it. If taxpayers and residents don't want it. more housing, shouldn't we listen to the taxpayers and citizens? Yeah. Well, this particular case in Greene County, they're getting 500 no matter what. And the lack of... The government shouldn't ramrod more housing when the people that elected them but is don't it really, want more housing. But is it really the, all the people? Is it really all the people? Or is it really just... Cert, I, know, I can tell you in certain places that I work, the groups are not that large. And Neil and you, says your tea leaves are correct. It's going to fail 3-2. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And that's okay. They'll, they'll, when it fails, I'll show you a picture of what it's going to be, and it's going to be really ugly. I mean, it's what Chris Fairchild said. It's what Donna Price has said. It's what Diantha McKeel has said. It's what B. Lapisto currently has said. They voted us into office because they don't want this. So we have to listen to the people who voted us into office. And, yeah, and you know what? And that's okay. God bless America, and that's what it is. That's how but, democracy works. But I got it. But don't complain that my taxes are going up. Right, I, I would hope they realize that, but they don't. Don't com- that's on them. Don't complain. I don't have the services, right? Don't complain about those things. Then that's fine. And, and look, you know, we sell and buy real estate. This is what we do for a living, right? And and you're in the real estate space and yeah. all that stuff. We'll do well, right? It's just uh, you know, it's just interesting. You know, the way the way uh, World War. The way Levittown came about after World War II, the way all these developments got happened after World War II, they happened because there were no zoning ordinances. There were no zoning ordinances. So our, our zoning ordinances in our area, depending on the county you're in, was adopted somewhere between very late 60s, 68, 69, and early 70s. I can speak to Fulvana County. It was in 72. So anything prior to 72, there was no zoning ordinance. You just built, you just built the units. That's how Lake Monticello came around, by the way, folks. Right, 4,500 lots. There was no zoning ordinances. Somebody went in, took a risk, and built a subdivision in there on it. There was no public process. There was, there was no nothing. There it should be happened. zoning ordinances. I'm just telling you how one would ask how Levittown came about, how all these big developments came about after World War II is because there was no zoning ordinances. The, the reason there should be zoning ordinances is because we have to manage citizens and density so our infrastructure can keep pace with said citizens and density and you're the libertarian if we just if we just have oh anyone can live and build anywhere you want how the hell are the schools who can't even bus kids to school we don't even have enough school bus drivers yeah, we don't it. have enough. That's because you're not paying them enough because the taxes need to go up to pay the pay the more people. We and have, that's the point you're the making. The highest hourly rate in Central Virginia. Yeah, you're making you're making my point. That's what's going to happen. People are just the taxes are just going to keep on going up. And if everybody's comfortable with that, then that's cool. I I would bet you if you went to the population and said, "Do you want more density, or do you want the taxes on your rooftops to get higher?" The large majority would say tax our rooftops more. It's because they can afford it, but the people that can't afford it, like my mother and father, are going to move into your basement. Because we're blessed and we can do that. Yeah. But what if they, what if they don't have a Keith and Yona? There's no obligation there? That's the evolution of life. Okay. You're saying, you're saying, we are, the gov- you're, what you're basically saying is. I'm not saying that at all. You're saying the government, the elected officials, should do the opposite of what the people who put them in office want them to do? So, have you ever actually attended these meetings? All the time. Yeah. So, 
so it's not a huge number of people. So in Greene County right now, it's about 20 people that are vocal. How many people, Neil, how many people live in Greene County? I can tell you. Yeah, it's probably 17,000, 15,000, probably somewhere along those lines. Livable Charlottesville, who's... No, 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 no. stay on Greene okay. County. Greene County's, po okay. Green County's population is 21,000 people. Got it. So there's, let's call it 25 people at the most, because I'm seeing all the emails, I'm seeing all the letters, I'm seeing all this stuff, because it's all public record, and I did a, a foyer to go ahead and see it. So there's about 25 people. That are against it. So there's 25 people that are vocal against it that's going to impact... I can't do the math, but it's, let's call it 19,000 and some odd. Okay, I'll give you the opposite of that. Livable Charlottesville, who's pu pushing upzoning through, is about 63 people. Yeah. 63 people with the organization Livable Charlottesville have taken draft, the draft zoning ordinance to this point. It's well, the, I think they, that's not exactly correct because the city jumped in and went and. Because of Livable Charlottesville. Well, yeah, correct. And that was, you know, the. the I, and Neil will have to chime in on it, and you remember, you know it better than I do. Um, you know, that just didn't happen in a vacuum, right? Livable Charles will probably petition the county, excuse me, the city, but there's a lot of money. Somebody had to allocate this money to go ahead and do this, and I believe there was a vote on the city council. Livable Charlottesville pushed council I, I, I got to, it. to get this going, but to and your, then council allocated the money. Yeah, got it. So to your point, if you want to continue this discussion about uh, doing the will of the people, the council at the time, which isn't the same council as now, by the way, the council at the time got elected, voted to spend the money to get us this far. Council at the time was the Nakaya Walker regime. I get it. But, I would say that was an anomaly. But the process was as you outlined. Somebody went in and did it. So out in Greene County... There's a developer trying, trying to do something to change it, all that stuff. There's people that are opposing it. But I can assure you, it's a very small group of people. And one of the things... so Neil Williamson just said, Mayor Walker made the decision to start over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what I just said. Yeah, but, but there had to be a majority vote on the board. At that time, council was f scared of her. Because they didn't want to get labeled, you know what? The political, of course, the political realities at the time were the political reality at the time. I'm just making a Captain Obvious statement. There had to have been three yes votes to spend the money. And however they happened, there was three yes votes to go ahead and do that. But it's interesting. If you go ahead and take a look at the people that are opposing this project in Greene County, they're my age and up. You don't see very young, a lot of young people. And some of the young people that are watching on here, that... I would love to know what their feedback on it. Do we need more housing? If they think, hey, we don't need any more housing, which statistically you don't hear, right, on it, um, then that's one thing. But look, housing prices are only going to go up. We're five to ten years in inventory. If none of this gets fixed, if none of this inventory of the ability to go ahead and build more gets fixed, that is closer to ten years than five years. My prediction is going to be right. So housing all the homeowners have more value in their houses. Absolutely. Prices have more equity. Prices are going to go up. People are going to be left left out of the out of the game, right? People that can afford it will be in the game. People that can't afford it won't be in the game. You know who who you know who. Uh, By the way, thank you for doing this. Oh, you know who doesn't? Absolutely, this is absolutely. We're having this. a blast. I mean, we have three media outlets watching watching us here. Yeah, well, we're just this is fun. I, I, this is not Batman and Robin fun, this but is, this but this. Back and forth debate I'm enjoying. Yeah, that's fantastic. There's three media outlets literally watching us on the show right now. Sure. Literally. Yeah. 
Okay, so you know who wants the uh, draft zoning ordinance to fail? Stanton, Augusta, Waynesboro, so, so it's, so it's in, Orange, it's, it's interesting Louisa. Should, it's interesting you should say Fluvanna. that. Fluvanna. Well, no, not Fluvanna. Fluvanna wants the draft zoning ordinance to fail because what will happen if the draft zoning ordinance fails, the values in Charlottesville will continue to rise. Oh, yeah, and as the values of Charlottesville so continue I took it to rise, I, people will be pushed out of Charlottesville and they'll go to the surrounding counties yeah. and buy up inventory, which will drive up those values. And, and it's going to create a ripple effect. And that rubber band is just going to grow and 100%. grow and grow and grow. Yeah. So I thought you were coming from a different approach because some of these other jurisdictions are more receptive to this zoning rewrite and they might end up, Fulvana is not one of them, but there's some of the uh, jurisdictions on the other side of the mountain that are a little bit more receptive. Who's? Who? To, 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 uh, Augusta's been very aggressive on allowing development come in here. Waynesboro's been very aggressive. Augusta's on only problem is there are no jobs there. Uh, they just come here. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So they'll provide the housing, right? And then they're just going to drive over the mountain. They drive over the mountain. They'll get the residu residual tax income from that, from spending money at the stores and restaurants and all that stuff on the other side of the mountain. But they'll come in there. But this rubber band will just keep on growing. Marjorie Nye has a comment. And I got, I got, I gotta say, I may be changing my mind on Buckingham here a little while. Uh, dude, I've been bullish on Buckingham because it's the last bastion of affordability. Well, so, so it's interesting. I was reading an article this morning. And those who have been in the market for a long time, like myself, I've heard this for a long time. Because I've got two projects I'm helping, uh, commercial projects I'm working in Goochland right now. You're starting to see Goochland, Louisa, and the, Bumpus right now. Bumpus, pull up Bumpus, Virginia. Believe it or not, Bumpus, Virginia, you can't touch anything in Bumpus, Virginia under 350. Bumpus, Virginia. Used to be able to get that. 150, 200 grand, something like that. Marjorie Nye watching the program on Yona's page. She says, Keith, Levittown cannot really be compared to Lake Monticello. Levittown cannot really be compared to how Lake Monticello was developed because Levittown's plans are the things we currently zone inherent in the design required in neighborhood walkable elementary schools and pools in each section. The lake just happened. Well, actually, I don't want to disagree, but the lake... Lake Monticello, thank you for making the point, by the way, because Levittown, by the market, right, because they weren't told to do that, by the market, they created walkable communities, they built schools, they actually created a, a whole town, and 100% right, there's 4,500 versus 50,000, I can't remember how much Levittown was on that, but um, Lake Monticello... Original, if you go ahead and dig into the original documents, and I know it because I've got them from 1968, it was a vacation community. It was never intended initially to be a bedroom community of Charlottesville. Launched by whom? Uh, Mr. Faulkner. Um, uh, actually, and I know this intently because where I live in the acres at Lake Monticello, which I developed, was zoned I-1. It was an airstrip. It was, a, it was an airport. It was zoned to be and set up to be an airport. In the original documents, it was set up that people would fly from Northern Virginia or wherever to land there, store their planes there, play golf, hang out on the pool. If you go and take a look at some of the original homes built in the 60s and the 70s, they're all the kind of Pocono-style chalets, vacation homes. Then it became a retirement community that get a bunch of Yankees in there, and then it became a bedroom community, and now it's kind of 
more of a bedroom community of Charlottesville, but it, 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 it changed quite a bit in 50 years, and I've been there 35, no, 30, 35 of those 50 years. Uh, Jamie Turner says part of Bumpus is... Thank you for the is, comment, by the way. Jamie Turner says part of Bumpus, Keith, is Lake Anna, yeah. which is why, why it has exploded. Yeah. Well, shout out to Neil. I mean, Lake Anna and all that. What is it, 10 million? Is it 10? 10, how many billions of dollars that uh, Amazon's putting in? 11 billion. 11 Amazon billion? Web Services. Yeah. Louisa okay. County. Yeah. Another, another wonderful win for Louisa, a horrible loss for Fulvana County. Right? But, yeah. Fulvana's not close to the interstate. No. No, it's not. Yeah, Fulvana would never have gotten that. Um, Neil Williamson, for what it's worth, Orange County still has significant don't supersize orange population cohort. So every jurisdiction around the country has this mentality. And, and you know what? And that's okay. And that's, if that's where we're going. You know, I, I wanted to attack a little bit of this 5% thing. Yeah. Right? So I think, and, 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 and I think the world. You're talking Almaro County? Thank you. I, I think the world of all the. Board of Supervisors and the elected officials. I, I, un, I understand the hard work that they have to go through. But what I'm I, at one point, I was really excited about the fact that we're talking about amending this commercial zoning ordinance, or potentially, so that will allow residential. The downside to that is you're never going to get the five percent increase if they do that. Then, because the political cover is going to be well. You know, now you can go ahead and change the commercial into residential, and we don't have to do it. I've on record and have spoken to them individually that 5% is not 5% and that 5% does need to be grown, but the likelihood of that ever happening is... I, 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 I don't agree with that. You think it's going to happen? You think they're going to... No, happen? I don't think we, exp we should expand the 5%. Okay. The citizens who vote these people into office don't want it expanded. If we vote people into office and then elected officials do the opposite of what the people voted them into office did or want, that is not democracy. That's called politics, but that's a different story. You, if you vote someone into office and they win in a democracy, Agree, 100%. those who 100%. get voted in 100%. should do what the populace wants. Uh, 100%. I've, I've, I've got the scars to prove. I defended everybody's right to do that, so I can speak to some some authority on that. So you're 100% right. There's then, a thousand... Uh, let me finish, please. So then just vote new people in. Yeah, just vote new people in. Somebody once said, who is this guy? Elections matter. Who's, who is this guy? Neil, there's a thousand a children. Joke. There's a thousand children who cannot ride a school bus to school. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then you have jurisdictions like Nelson County that are decreasing. A thousand kids yeah. cannot get to school on so time. So elections matter. If we can't get kids to school on time, how can we possibly welcome more kids to the schools? Okay. I, I, I get it. So then, so then no new development's going to happen. Prices are going to go up, which is fine, right? Only a certain amount of, fo of folks are going to be able to... We, we get this on the show all the time. Right? Where am I going to go? Where am I going to buy? You know, how am I going to sell? All these kind of great questions. And that's just, that's the, you're just making my argument for me that, look, this is going to be this way for the next five to ten years. I don't see this changing at all. It's going to have to take an election cycle to change or two to do it. Oh, and then, by the way, even if that does happen and this gets approved, it's going to take years to get through um, a rezoning. You're not going to see 
smart development out in Greene County. You're going to see dumb development out in Greene County, unfortunately. Same with Fluvanna. And, and, Stan, and Stan, 100% same in Fluvanna. What you're going and by to, dumb development, I don't know if that's the right phrase there. Oh, I can tell you in Greene County it's dumb. You're, you're, uh, what you're saying, what you call, you're saying it's sprawl. No, no. So you're we, saying by so, right. So the, those in Greene County who think that if the PUD does not get approved, that the developers and the builders and everybody involved that is going to go away is, is smoking something funny because there's just no place to go. Name a piece of property in our area that by right you can build 500 units on it. There isn't one. Phase three dairy market. Chris Henry, no, no, 400 no, 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 no. apartments. I'm talking about single family detached, so thank you very much. Yeah. Once that gets, once, once, if this gets approved, it's all by right. But right yeah. now they have to go Because Chris has got 400 apartments he can do by right once this is approved. It it, assuming, assuming it gets approved. It yeah. get, gets approved. It's by right. They don't have to go anything. It's he just get, do it whatever he it, wants. It, 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 it's, it's, I can tell you, it's CX3. Uh, no density restrictions, three stories, 44 feet maximum height. Building width maximum is 275. You can just go pull up pa the pages on CX3 because that's what that property is. And they don't have to ask a damn permission from anybody to do it. But in Greene County... Tim Carson, hello. To get, hey, Tim. To get that kind of density, there are, in, in the car footprint, there is no buy-right buy right parcels available. The mayor watching. Kelsey. Hey, Lloyd. How's it going? Says this. Keith and Jerry, this is one of your best shows yet. I love this back and forth dynamic. You guys are covering content that's incredibly complicated and doing it a way that's high energy where you guys play one side of the argument against each other. This is what we're looking for. Jamie Turner says Thank this. You. So much land in Orange County is owned by about five families. Yeah, that's true. Those parcels will never be developed in my lifetime. As Neil says, landowners have rights. Jamie Turner also says, now the Locust Grove side of Orange County is different. Lots of development over there. Jonathan watching the program. I absolutely love the energy of this show. I'm watching you guys on my Peloton right now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's the uh, Peloton um, instructor you're watching, Jonathan? But he's, not a, he's watching us. Come um, on, keep your pa pace up. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Bill McChesney. Lake Monticello was saved from its trickle fill by Hurricane Camille. That's true. Bill McChesney, when is the proposal going to come up for the Afton Car Tunnel? That's interesting. A lot of people don't know about Lake Monticello, but the bottom of the main dam is a dive site with a bunch of construction equipment that they couldn't get out because Camille filled it up in a certain period of time. But uh, it filled up pretty darn quick. Jennifer Crayley. Which Crayling. was in 1969, folks, just to put it in perspective. Jennifer Crayling watching the program. I agree with the previous commenters. I love the sparring and back and forth, especially in the morning when we're all looking for energy. Good work, boys. Thank you. It's the I got the large coffee today. Woody Fincham says, allows short-term rentals and tax them under hospitality rates. Require inspections as a hotel would have to abide to. Woody Fincham also says, every rewrite should have an exposure draft posted for a public commentary period. That's pretty standard. Yeah, he, he's 100% right. And, and back to his comment on that, you have to either incentivize them or penalize them in either, in either case. So to your point, uh, you know, this app will but penalize them if they are doing it illegally, but you have to incentivize them to do it, uh, to do it uh, correct, correctly. This has been a lot of fun. It's 1132. I did I not love realize it. that. I love it. Uh, viewers and listeners, we are not going to get to these comments. I will save the case study that's on the feed for Monday's program. 
Um, no, Jamie, not, we're not working Monday, sir. Oh, I will save it for Wednesday's program. That's absolutely right. And I will not be here on Wednesday. So, Scott, we'll save it for Friday. <laughs> Friday, I will save be it back. Save for a week from Friday. Yeah, I'm, I'm up in D.C. Uh, giving some presentations and getting an award uh, up in D.C. The case study is on 501 North Main Street in Gordonsville, if you want to take a look at it. 501 North Main Street in Gordonsville. Jenny Stoner, Johnny Pritzloff, and Josie Williams of Tallheimer have that listing. The Gordon House. Oh yeah, so that's the um, that's the old um, assisted living facility, I believe, is what that what that was on the corner just before the roundabout. On the as you're going north, it's on on the left. Former assisted living facility for yeah. sale. That's right, the Gordon House. Yep, a redevelopment opportunity. Um, we're talking five acres, ample parking, zone B two, providing flexibility what for various uses. Is that in? Downtown Gordonsville. Yeah, but is it in Gordonsville or is it in Orange or Louisa? I'm not really sure what jurisdiction. Or it's in the town itself. Yeah, it says downtown Gordonsville yeah. on, the, on the listing over there. Yeah. Um, We'd have to look into it. So I will dig into that a little bit, a little bit more. That's been on the market for quite a while. I can assure you that. I, I'm, I'm familiar with it that much. But I'll take, I'll take a look at it and see. We will do that on on Monday because you've got a show coming up here. So. Um, the Main Street town of Gordonsville has been put on the feed. Thank you, Jamie. And he follows up by saying this. Um, over time, I've been tracking um, Mr. PBM reducing his footprint in Gordonsville. Could be an opportunity, but also makes me pause and think, what does he know that we don't know? And he says, you always follow the smart money. Neil says that was a hospital first, then became an assisted living That's right. facility. That's right. Neil's got Well Hung Vineyard, a restaurant there that you guys should support in downtown Gordonsville. It is well worth the stop if you drive. My wife and I are cover. going on date night tonight. We may go to downtown Gordonsville. Um, yep. Judah, anything you want to add, sir? No. Keith, anything you want to close with? No, no, no. I just uh, this. We walked in with not much to talk about. I just wanted to do a quick case study. The viewers I, and listeners are loving this. I wanted to take it from a different perspective. Um, I think at the end of the day, we may be on two different sides of it. Uh, I just well, I know why you want more housing and more inventory. N- 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 I, that would not that would do me a disfavor. What you're thinking. I generally believe, and you know me well enough to know when I'm saying this. I generally believe that that this is the right thing to do happens to also be the business I'm in, I get that, and I understand that. Uh, but, but I believe uh, more housing is probably a good thing, but probably not going to happen. And then I genuinely believe that politicians should do what the people that put them into office want yeah, them to I, do. I, I, we, we, need, we need to save a show for that. Because the, if politicians go into office based on a platform they're elected upon and then change that platform, that's what's wrong with politics. Yeah, well, so the, what's wrong with politics is you get people that are run for office to get in that don't understand what the hell the job is and then get into it and find out that they can't do half the stuff that they said they were going to be able to do, and then all of a sudden there's a whole reality of it. But look, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's a thankless job. Well, that's why a lot of people have, and I have, and I, that's why a lot of people have said, dude, having Pruitt run unopposed in the Scottsville district is very concerning to us. I've literally, maybe 300 houses in my neighborhood have contacted us and say, why are you not doing this and you're allowing this guy to run unopposed? 
That's a scary thing, isn't it? I had, I had a viewer and listener of this program that was a former client of yours get angry, of my, angry with me for pulling out of this election. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Literally angry. Yeah. And I understand his frustration. Well, but I have to do what's best for my family first. That's it. I'll tell you what. I, I, I'm best telling, for my family I'm first. I'm telling you, I ran for office in Fulvana County. And, and it's personal. People, I didn't win because I've got a funny accent. Uh, but people were personally attacking my children. My it wasn't because of that. It's because our kid wasn't sleeping. And it just didn't make sense for me to be on the campaign trail away from my wife when my kid didn't sleep for seven straight months and she already had her hands full. It well, wasn't fair wait, to her. Wait till the personal attacks would have happened. No, it's, I, mean, I deal with that on the I Love Steve show all the time. Yeah, but when they start bringing it to your family, that's a different story. Jamie Turner, it's funny you say that. The Prez new restaurant on Main Street, my wife literally sent me a screenshot from Prez Dis Prez, and I'm messing that up. It's a French restaurant. Is it, how do you say this? Can you, are you on, on your mic over there? Because you got, you know... Language in French. Pray de pray. It's actually really good. You should try it. You say you've tried it. I've eaten it many times. Okay, you like it. Well, it opened five days ago. Oh no, because it was a French restaurant before that. It's it's had yeah. different iterations. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. This pray pray de pray. This is under pray new ownership, but it's it's been a French restaurant in there for quite some time. Jamie will will attest to that. I can't remember the name before, but we've eaten there a bunch of times. Yeah, it says our family just opened the French inspired restaurant in Gordonsville. Yeah. We had our soft opening last night, yeah. and we're looking forward to opening this Wednesday. If it's we the were same hoping- building, I'm thinking about. It's like almost directly across from, not direct from the Ice House, maybe. A little bit up on the opposite side of the street. But the, Cute little restaurant. The suggestion he suggested is what my wife sent me last night, which is you know, the man knows the town well. Thank you, uh, Mayor Gordonsville over there. Um, dude, I think we got something here. Yeah, yeah, good show. Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm out. We're out all out on Monday because of Labor Day. Yeah. Enjoy your hot dogs. Judah, and you're going to have like- a little three-day. Did you know it was Labor Day on Monday? Uh, well, do now. We talked I about did. this, sir. No I'm, no, I'm talking with Judah. Oh. Yeah, this is Judah. I'm a, that's Judah. Yeah. Is that yeah. Judah? Hey, yeah, Judah, yeah. look at that. It's Judah. Yeah. Judah, how come you didn't dive in this conversation? Uh, are, you on a free, are you on a free shot over <laughs> a there? A little beyond my depth. You, you, what are you going to do for the three-day weekend? I think are you you're going to get shot? this at the noon show. Yeah. Three shot? Yeah. What? Nothing. I'm going to behave. Yeah, so, and Wednesday I'm out, I'm out up in D.C., but we'll be back on Friday, and I'll take a look at the Gordonsville, Gordonsville uh, property on that. I'll, I'll call uh, Mr. Pritzloff up and... See if you can give me the skinny on it. Watches and, the show. And, and what, we can, what we can do. But thank you, everybody. Have a good Labor Day weekend. Uh, wish me a little bit of luck tomorrow. Good I luck on you your bike ride in thank Waynesboro. Yoda you. Smith, good luck on the four-miler. Four-miler for the ladies out there running. You go, girls. The Labor Day golf, tennis, pickleball, and squash tournaments this weekend. Good luck to everybody that's playing in it. Good luck to you and your bride. Thank you. And so you guys, do, you guys do well on the court together? Oh. Yeah, I'm an extremely competitive individual. So I am. She's more looking to have fun. I, I'm. That's exactly right. I'm not allowed to run. I'm not allowed to run, or bike, or do anything with. She's doing it you know, for enjoyment. I'm doing it to win. Now, Yvonne, on the other hand, her and I do this all the time, and, and we'll, we're a little bit competitive because yeah. she's a former Division One athlete, and I'm an old guy, and she tries to drag this old man uh, up, you know, out and about. But anyway. 1139. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Show was killer, guys. Pull Down Real Talk, right? The partners, without them, we couldn't be doing this, so please support them. Please, 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 please. RealTalkWithKeithSmith.com. RealTalkWithKeithSmith.com. The show is presented by Yes Realty Partners. I've seen it firsthand what Keith and Yona Smith do for families when buying and selling houses. I absolutely 
have seen success stories with Keith and Yona Smith and Yes Realty Partners. For Judah Wickhauer and Keith Smith, the I Love Seville show is up in 50 minutes, Ooh. and it's going to be a great one. Take care, everybody. Thanks, gentlemen. Yeah, I had fun. It was a lot of fun.